Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. You're listening to a Score North podcast right now. And if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. You're listening to Mackie and Judd from the TCL Studios. TCL, America's fastest-growing TV brand. Now launching, Mackie and Judd. We get things rolling with the opening bell. Want to ring the bell? Towns trailing the play, straightaway three, has it! How about that? We just talked about the versatility of Carl Anthony Towns. Towns with the spin and the finish. What a night it's been for Towns. What an unbelievable player. Towns puts it on the deck, gets inside. What a finish by Towns. The coach is kind of handling that, uh, leaving um, you know Gibson start because he had started and bringing in. I don't know as the year goes along how that's going to uh, play out. Right now, they're both playing excellent, so I mean, it's working out, but I think one has to look in the long run here, too, knowing that Gibson's contract is up after this year. Love to keep him on the team, but uh, there's other people who are going to look at him, too, and you just don't know with the money out there, you know, who's going to make those offers that are higher than we can afford. A special Friday treat for you all. Mackie and Judd, of course, Phil will join at four, starts with a scoop from Doogie. Hello, Darren. How are you? I'm doing okay, Judd, outside of the fact that I just found out I owe the IRS four figures. I'm doing all right. Only four figures? Only four figures, yes. That's that's it? Yes. From you doing uh, your tax snafu. No, it wasn't Early. me. No, 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 no. This was something that was discovered from my 2016 taxes. Really? That I didn't do. I'm not going to throw anybody under the bus, at least publicly. But yeah, I'm not real happy. I wouldn't be happy but either. But it's just money. I can't get stressed out over money. So outside of that, okay. I'm doing great. Okay, well, that's fantastic. And and professionally, you're doing just fine because you're still producing at least one, if not two, scoop podcasts per week, which you can find a bunch of places. iTunes, Podcast One, 1500ESPN.com. And that was, I believe... What remains still the latest Scoop podcast you did, in which you talked to Wolves owner uh, Glenn Taylor. And we just played this soundbite. I'll play it quickly again because there were a couple interesting things that Glenn said, including this. The coach is kind of handling that, uh, leaving um, you know Gibson start because he had started and bringing in. I don't know as the year goes along how that's going to uh, play out. Right now, they're both playing excellent, so I mean, it's working out, but I think... One has to look in the long run here, too, knowing that Gibson's contract is up after this year. Love to keep him on the team, but uh, there's other people who are going to look at him, too, and you just don't know with the money out there, you know, who's going to make those 
offers that are higher than we can afford. Okay, so put into context what Glenn is talking about there as he's clearly talking about a position in the Wolves starting lineup. Well, I mean, I think it's safe to say that Dario Saric will be this team starting power forward at some point now. Is it as soon as a month from now or is it next year? I think as long as Tom Thibodeau is the coach, and I'm telling you, Tibbs will coach the rest of the year. I am convinced of that. Tom is not getting let go early, even though there are some people on the business side very, 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 very nervous with season ticket renewal forms. I think they already went out. If they haven't already gone out, they go out here in the next couple weeks. Mm -hmm. It's soon after the first of the year that season ticket holders need to commit to the following season. I do know that there's a lot of nervous people over there wondering, you know, just, hey, I mean, some people are going to say, as long as Tibbs is in charge, I'm not giving you thousands of dollars. I'm not renewing my tickets. But that being said, I think Tibbs is this team's coach for the rest of the season. As for next year, I mean, let's see if they make the playoffs. If they make the playoffs, maybe. If they miss the playoffs, I think we see change. Is Glenn comfortable with, with that? Well, I mean, he hears everything from Ethan, from others. I mean, he hears stuff. You know, I mean, he's got his spies over there. So, I mean, he's well aware of the backlash that exists. I mean, it's not like it's breaking news to him. But that being said, I don't think he's swallowing the contract of Tom Thibodeau at $8 million a year with two years remaining on that contract after this year. So as long as Tibbs is coaching the team, I think Taj Gibson is his starting power forward. Yep. But it's inevitable that Dario Saric will be this team's starting power forward. That in Glenn's mind, they traded for two starting forwards. They're starting forwards for the foreseeable future. I mean, really, they have in their minds their starting front court for the next four, five, six years because Glenn also said to me that he has every intention of paying Saric really good money to retain his services. Now, they don't need to make a call on Saric here for a while. You know, it's not like he's an unrestricted free agent next summer. But the idea is to sign him long-term. Now, you're looking at somewhere in the ballpark, I'm sure, of $14, $15 million a year. He's got Jeff Schwartz as his agent. Jeff's not going to take a sweetheart deal. You know, so, I mean, you're going to have to pay him, pay him good money. But, you know, the Wolves have every intention of of keeping Saric. So it's a matter of when, not if, Dario Saric is this team starting power forward. And you know what? He has been finishing some games. I mean, to me, it's more important finishing versus starting. Right. You know, but, hey, we always make a big deal of the starting lineup and how a team starts and you know, the first eight minutes of a game and and all that. So eventually Sarge will start. Now he's restricted after next season, right? Is it after next season, Manny? I'd have to look it up. He's a restricted free agent. Yeah, I mean, we're still a couple years out. I mean, they can extend him. They'll have a window to extend him earlier. You know, then he's talking about whether they could afford to keep Taj. I mean, if Glenn wants to pay the luxury tax, they could keep Taj. I mean, they have his bird rights. How pleased do you think Glenn is by by what what he has seen uh, post-Butler trade? And how much, if at all, do you think that is impacting his belief in Tibbs? Well, both, I mean, at, both I, as chief executive yeah. of basketball operations and coach. I think he's happy, but he also recognizes that some of these wins are against the bottom of the Eastern Conference. Teams they lost to last year, they by did. the way. Absolutely. That was the thing with last year. They lost some of those games. They did, but the expectation is you win those games. So you win at Brooklyn, you win at Cleveland, you beat Chicago. Glenn's point to me was, and I talked to Glenn on Tuesday. I actually have a fresh podcast that posted last night. So this was two podcasts okay. ago. See, a two podcast week. I got it wrong. I told yeah, you. But this was Glenn from Tuesday. So I talked to him after the Rockets win when they came back from being 19 points down. Mm-hmm. Glenn's point is, okay, this upcoming stretch starting when? Tomorrow night at Portland? 
11 of the next 13 games are on the road. Let's see where we're at after these 13 games. Let's see if they can sustain this level of success away from Target Center. And you you also asked Glenn about uh, potential trades, and here's what he had to say on that matter. Well, I can just kind of say what, you know, Scott says. He says, you know, Glenn, uh, our, our thing is we have no reason to make a, a trade or, you know, we're not going to force it or do anything like that because we have a, a good bunch of guys right now. But we're going to keep our eyes open, and if there's ever anything that comes along that we think improves our team at any time, you know, I'll bring it to you. That's our philosophy right now. So it could happen, but it's only that um, we get kind of a win-win, as we might say, with another team that really would like to have one of our guys, and in turn they give us somebody that we think uh, will help us off the bench. We have a number of guys that other teams uh, are interested in, but uh, but we have to have a deal that that uh, gives us something back, too, that, that uh, will make our team better. I'm going to guess at this point in time, though, there is, from at least the basketball administration offices, there is no rush to make any deals now, correct? Correct. I mean, it's rolling right now, so yeah, there is no nine rush. 9-3 post-Butler, so there's not, a big, there's not a big need to make trades if you are Tibbs or Layden right now. Like, for example, the Phoenix Suns still would love to get their hands on Tyus Jones. Heck, they scored, what, nine points in a quarter the other night? Actually, two consecutive games. Yeah, they are Below awful. ten points in a quarter. I mean, they need a point guard. situation is a mess. Yeah. It is a complete disaster. They'd still love to get Tyus, and not that Tyus is a starter, but he would help them. He would help them a lot. Jamal Crawford is now there in Phoenix. He's gone to bat to management saying, hey, go get Tyus Jones. But, yeah, the Wolves are not, they're not doing anything. They're not going to disrupt all the success that they're having right now. Anthony Tolliver, to me, eventually goes somewhere. Now, keep in mind, he signed in the summer, so he technically can't get traded until, what, December 15th? Coming up here pretty soon now, right? Yeah, but I know. tomorrow. Yeah, but I know that the Sixers, the Lakers, the Mavericks, and the Clippers are monitoring his situation. Also, Houston, Daryl Morey is on the lookout. I mean, Houston is looking for help, all sorts of help. So, logically speaking, Houston makes a lot of sense. I just haven't specifically heard of. Houston interest in Tolliver. If you're Tibbs, though, would you want to, if you're trying to get to the playoffs yourself, <laughs> would you want to move Anthony Tolliver to help somebody in the Western Conference that you're trying to compete with? No. I mean, I guess it depends on what those teams are offering, but if it's something like a second-round pick and cap filler, somebody that you know is not going to crack your rotation, yeah, I mean, I don't think you're going to do them the favor. You also have to be thinking... You know, if Sarich goes down with an injury, mm-hmm. if Taj goes down with an injury, Anthony is really good insurance. So, yeah, as you're fighting for your playoff life, yeah, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense to help the Clippers, Mavericks, or Lakers. Is there anything that is going to, um, outside of a player getting hurt, going to get Josh Okoge on the court a bit Oof. more? That's the one thing we keep talking coach? about. Yeah. But that's the one thing that we yeah. keep talking about that with where this team is at, it doesn't make a ton of sense to me that he doesn't. And I'm not saying that he should play a ton, but I think he should be playing. I think he's good enough to play. He's your first round pick. You are you are certainly not a polished product of an organization, so there is an argument to be made that this kid should see some time. Well, even if you were a polished organization, he has shown that he can do some things that can help you win games right now. Mm-hmm. That it's not all about development. The way he defends his effort level, I actually think that's a skill. Okay. I really do. Playing hard. Energy. To me is a skill. Energy, Manny, is a skill. Yes. Josh Okogie has that skill. So, I mean, you can make a case that, yeah, he should be playing 8 minutes, 10 minutes. I mean, a lot of NBA coaches use 10 guys. Now, others use 9. I mean, Tibbs isn't on an island in that regard. 
You know, I mean, there are other coaches who only play nine guys, but there are coaches who play ten guys at least eight to ten minutes a game. So why not find eight or ten minutes? But you know, as long as they're winning, there's no way that Tibbs is messing with his rotation. What have you in in your mind, Dukes, uh, seen the past two games from Andrew, and can it possibly be harnessed and or kept up? Wiggins' the last two games has looked like you want him to look. And that doesn't mean he's a superstar. But what that does mean is he works hard, he plays some good defense, he gives you something. You don't go away from the building thinking to yourself, there he goes again and he's a complete bust. You go away saying, yeah, he's not the first overall pick, but he's not a bad player. What's it going to take for them to harness that on? And heck, let's say three out of every five games. Let's say two games he just goes back to being wiggy, but three out of every five games you get what you have seen the past two games. Well, I mean, you're talking about how do they harness that? Yeah, I'm just to me, it's all about how do you wiggy. It? It's on him. Sure, but how he needs to look at himself in the mirror and say, "Okay, I can do this." How do we go about getting that? Well, <laughs> like, how do we? Because it doesn't. It, it's effort. It is correct. It's the old I mean, hockey he, thing. he has it's to grit. show it's that effort. he gives a bleep. But think about where every we're at. single game. But think about where we're at now, Judd. That you have to ask that question for a guy who's making twenty five million dollars a year. That we're, we're we're so far into this now with Andrew Wiggins that it's just every. It seems like every week we're cutting something else off that we were expecting, and just saying, okay, well, can you just can you just give us some energy, and then. Next week it's going to be okay. Well, can you just hey? Can you get a steal a game for us? Can you? I mean, this is where we're at. This is the I know. sad part. I know, but you are going to have to continue to be here, and you're going to have to continue yeah. to try and get this. This is not going to be. I don't think he's going to fall into a pattern where he just gets it himself. And so the question becomes: How can you get him, and how can you get the team to help him get to be the player that we've seen the last two games, which is yeah. just a guy who works? Now I will say I'm encouraged when I hear Taj Gibson say post game the other night that he was over at Mayo Clinic Square at like midnight, and there's Andrew Wiggins in the gym. I mean, I can't tell you that I've heard a lot of examples of Andrew Wiggins being at Mayo Clinic Square at midnight. Zach Levine back in the day, yes, Zach was there constantly, they had to one a.m., two a.m. Yeah, Sam Mitchell told me they had to take his key fob away at one point or (laughs) threaten to take away his key fob because he was there too much. I've never once heard a story like that about Andrew Wiggins. So encouraging to me, at least, that Todd said, hey, he's in the gym the other night shooting at midnight. That's something that Robert Covington, by the way, regularly does. And not that that speaks entirely to a guy's work ethic, but when I've never heard it before, you know, to me, it's, it's noteworthy enough. It is, and I'll tell you this much, too. Glenn Taylor was pretty darn revealing. I mean, he gave me 35 minutes on Tuesday, 32 minutes, whatever it was. He was pretty revealing on Andrew Wiggins saying, and he didn't mince his words. I mean, he was, he was, I'm telling you, very direct that Andrew needs to be an all-star. I mean, I'm paying him this much money. Yep. Andrew at some point, now we're five years in, so I don't know if I'll ever get to all-star status. Yep. I do know that all-star game in Toronto, him not making the team bugged him. You know, that was the goal. You know, I mean, they set these all-star games years in advance. He saw my hometown has the all-star game. Well, there's game. a way to make it. I plan on being an all-star. There's a way to do that. Yeah. Work your butt off. Correct. Uh, scoops, twins. I was actually texting with an agent knowing I was coming up here today. This agent represents a pretty darn good free agent reliever. And I said, hey, where are things at with the twins? This agent has had dialogue with the twins. His sense is, and I also have this from some other people, that the Twins, and this won't be shocking news, but that the Twins, when it comes to adding a reliever, are not looking to break the bank. So Craig Kimbrell is not coming here. Familia, I mean, I guess it depends on what the price tag is on a lot of these guys. I mean, is is there a possibility that, that some guys are still floating out there? 
late January, early February, comparable to last year. So I guess that could change things. But at this point, if you look at the high-end relievers, the Twins are not signing any of those guys. They're looking for a middle-tier sort of guy. I don't get the idea that they have an intention of breaking the bank across the board for 2019, Doogie. Well, I think you're right. I mean, the more I gather, I mean, they're going to make more moves. But yeah, I mean, what was the opening day payroll last year? Was it 124 million, five million? Thereabouts, yes. Yeah, I mean, I think it's, I think it's a good bet that it's going to be significantly less than that this year. Would Would you look for any news uh, uh, coming next week from? Vegas when they uh, convene for the winter meetings. Well, I mean, they've talked to the agent for Tony Sip, Adam Warren. I mean, those are some relievers that they're kicking the tires on. They've certainly had enough dialogue on trades. I had another insider tell me that the Twins have a lot of balls in the air right now, both on the trade front and the free agent front. A lot of calls out. And I predicted with you a couple weeks ago or last week or three weeks ago that I foresee some sort of trade this winter, probably for a starting pitcher. If I had to bet the position, it would be for a starting pitcher. And this front office, and heck, you bonded with Derek Falvey today. I mean, we're going to play are, a four fifteen. Yeah, they are Phil not married to anybody. Now, would I bet on you know, for example, Jose Barrios being on the roster in April? I would. So Barrios isn't going anywhere. Yeah. But my point is, they're not married to anybody really on that forty man roster. So they are very open minded. You know, the Tampa Bay Rays last year. They had a lot of interest in Max Kepler. There are other teams who have interest in Max Kepler. So who would shock Could you? Trade Kepler. Who would shock you to be traded? Barrios would probably shock you. It would shock me. Barrios would shock me. I still don't think they're going to trade Buxton because they wouldn't get much. Correct. Outside of Barrios, Kepler would not shock me. Nobody really. Even if they traded Rosario, I wouldn't be like, whoa. They'd be selling high coming off his best year. So yeah, I. I'm just telling you. I mean. Not one guy. Now, Sano's value is pretty rock bottom, so I'd be surprised if they just gave him away. Right, because you're going to get nothing back for him at this point. Yeah, exactly, at this point. But yeah, I mean, outside of Barrios, not one person would surprise me. They have not had any dialogue about extending Kyle Gibson. I think they're going to use 2019 as an evaluation year. Who do they have in Byron Buxton? Who do they have in Miguel Sano? Absolutely, I agree. Is it worth investing in Kyle Gibson long term? You know, is it worth investing in some other guys... Long and term, so no one Buxton is. Go, it's going to come down to 2019. You have to find out because that might be it. Oh, absolutely. Like you, you're yes. not going to continue if they get back here and Miguel gets fat again and Byron is still a mess at the plate. At some point in time, you, you're going to have to come up with a new plan. I would agree. So, um, Vikings is is David Morgan the key to run blocking finally back on yeah. Monday night at Seattle. I mean, the tight end. The idea was he was supposed to be back, you know, but. He didn't practice again today. He didn't practice yesterday. So when you're missing those two key practice days, it doesn't look real good for David's chances of playing Monday. If he doesn't play against Seattle, I think he is back for the Miami game. But yeah, I think this thing is moving along a little bit slower than they thought. So yeah, I mean, they miss him. I'll give you this one too. I, yep. Somebody tell me that there's actually been some external dialogue about extending Sheldon Richardson, that they've come to the conclusion internally but they absolutely want to keep him beyond so, this year. Is Barr gone? Bar, if I had to bet, yes. Okay. Yes, I would bet. Yeah, write that down. Do you still do write that down? Four o'clock today. Come up at four o'clock. In, yeah. fa- in fact, I might be tempted to steal that one. Write that down. <laughs> Anthony Barr is playing his final games in a Vikings uniform. So And, and Sheldon, mm-hmm. Sheldon would come at what? Because he'd probably want more than a one-year deal this time well, around. Well, and he's making eight right now. He's, he's going to get a raise. I mean, I don't know. 10, 11, 12. Do you give him as much as 13 or 14 million a year? Three, three. I mean, you've only got so much wiggle room when you're paying the quarterback twenty eight million dollars a year. No, I'm. I guess 
what I like right now is he's on a one-year make-good deal. Mm-hmm. If you go three years, that's a lot of security. I like it when guys who who get a one-year contract are like, oh my gosh, I've got to play well. And then the next team locks them into the multi-year deal. Yeah, but you know what? That goes both ways. Because there are a number of examples of guys curling up in the fetal position, not able to handle the pressure of a one-year deal. I need to perform at such and a high level. guys get comfortable with three-year deals. Well, yeah. I'm telling you, just it goes both ways. But to me, That's it does say something about a guy performing at a high level on a one-year deal. Thank you, sir. You got it. Appreciate it. That's the Scoops with Doogie. Check out the Scoop podcast. Always good stuff. Podcast 1, 1500ESPN.com, uh, iTunes, and lots of places. Take a break, Mackie and Judd. John Clayton of uh, ESPN Radio in Seattle, the professor, joins the show at 3.30. Sit tight. The Mackie and Judd show will continue in a moment. Do I have your word on that, sir? Mackie and Judd. Absolutely. On 1500 ESPN. Live from the TCL Broadcast Studios, Mackie and Judd are back. Come on, there's so much to do. On 1500 ESPN. All right, quick check on your traffic here in the TCL Broadcast Studios as Mackie and Judd rolls on. Highway 100 southbound, we've got a crash in Edina. That's uh, near 494 and uh, Normandale Boulevard. Uh, It's causing about a five-minute delay, so uh, be on the lookout for that. In the first half, I thought we were, we were pretty balanced, you know, when you take out the third downs and, and, and those things. But there's, you know, during that mock drive, there was probably, you know, I went back and, and self-scouted myself. There's were, there were two or three instances where we threw the football, like on that first and 10 from around the 26, um, that we probably should have run the football. And, uh, you know, I made that, you know, aware to him and made my thoughts on that. And, you know, it's just like anybody, you know, I, I look to go out each week and improve myself. So um, you're always self-evaluating yourself and looking for ways to get better. TCL Broadcast Studios, that was uh, John Filippo, the Vikings offensive coordinator, talking today to the press, talking about the fact that uh, obviously head coach Mike Zimmer, as he stated after Sunday's game, I think he walked it back a little bit on Monday perhaps, but uh, as he stated after Sunday's game, was not happy with the run-pass ratio that Filippo called in the Vikings' loss to the Patriots uh, last Sunday. And, of course, the Vikings don't play now again until Monday. Um, but the more you look at it, Manny Hill, you do have to wonder if this team is going to, at some point in time in these last four games here, and I know the offensive line is far from perfect, and that's no surprise. We've talked about that a thousand times. It doesn't matter at this point. Your offensive line is what your offensive line is. Mm-hmm. What you have to wonder, though, because I've got a stat here, what you have to think is, is Zimmer just going to go to flip and tell them you have to run the ball? This is no longer an option of let's run your offense and it's cute and you got cousins in shotgun a lot. Courtney Cronin has a stat here from her employer at ESPN Stats Info. Kirk Cousins is completing 66.1% of his passes under pressure this season, mm-hmm. which would be the highest rate by any player in a season in the last decade. Several players are tied at 59% for the next closest. In other words, no matter what we say about Kirk, and the fumbles and the interceptions when they happen are a problem. I'm not excusing those. Right. But this all goes back to if you're sitting down at TCO Performance Center and coming up with a game plan for Monday's game, it cannot continue to be, well, we've got Thielen and Diggs. Yeah, you do. But one, they're not, at this point now, their average yards per catch is low. 
And two, you have to run the foot. You have to use Dalvin Cook. You just have to. There's mm-hmm. no there's no excuse. It, it has become now, no matter who else, we want to blame. Spielman for the construction of the line. Cousins for the, for the fumbles and at times the picks. No matter who else, we want to blame. This has become play-calling malpractice. Mm-hmm. It just has. Yeah. Well, and the other thing, too, is you mentioned the yards per catch deal with Thielen and Diggs. Well, Thielen and Diggs in the past have been your big your big play guys. You know, last year when Dalvin Cook went down, Thielen and Diggs, they were they were always there for Case Keenum. They made big plays and you know, deep passes and that sort of thing. And even we've even seen that earlier this year. Big plays, explosive plays, Thielen and Diggs. Well, now if teams are taking that away, utilize Dalvin. Dalvin Cook is a big play guy. He can get the ball in his hands and make people miss and make things happen. You, Find a way to get the ball in his hands, and not just but you, not just handing but, the ball off, but just right. But you, you just this also add goes some back, diversity to your offense. This also goes back to now you have to hand the ball to him too. Yeah, it's now become the ball. The Vikings are uh, the Vikings right now are thirtieth in the league in rushing, and they're twenty ninth in attempts. A year ago with Shermer, they were seventh in rushing. But probably more importantly, second in attempts. Mm. So we can, I'll go back and say this, we can blame Cousins all we want, and he's got some fault here. We can blame Spielman for the line all we want, and there's definite blame there. Mm-hmm. But this now has become malpractice. Yeah. DeFilippo either has to change, he either has to, he either has to be told, I'm not asking you to change, you are changing, you are changing this right now. Or you have to say, I'm going to do it myself. And if you're Zim, what you need to say is, George, you know how I like to call plays defensively. I am going to have to seriously pull off doing as much as I did defensive play calling because the offense needs me. Zim's the head coach. But this is the stat that is eye-opening to me is the fact that you've gone a year ago with, with a team that won 13 games and went to the conference title game, second in rushing attempts, and now you're 29th. You just... And you didn't have Dalvin Cook last year. You had him for four games last year. And anytime the run doesn't work now, it's gotten to a point where DiFilippo just abandons it. Mm -hmm. When you... The Patriots game, when you look at what Cook was doing... They were giving them the run game. I know. And you just giving them the run game. and and they were not trailing by enough to ever abandon it. When you look at what they were doing late in that late third quarter, they were tied. Mm-hmm. They they were tied in that game. There is no compelling reason you could be given by that coaching staff to decide we're going to pass the ball. And you heard Zimmer say it that he felt like when when the Patriots went down and made it seventeen ten, they went down there what four or five plays, got the touchdown to Josh Gordon. And Zimmer said, "We panicked. We panicked. But they they went. But, but it's why? Like, wh- right. That that's my that's my point. You're a why? veteran team. Why why are you panicking? Kirk, Kirk Cousins was it's the third quarter, and you're down by a touchdown. And Kirk Cousins was signed to run an offense that wouldn't panic. Yeah, he's not a first year quarterback. He's not a second year quarterback. He's a veteran quarterback. Nobody should panic. Your play caller panicked. That's mm-hmm. a major problem. And he got greedy." He's trying to he's just trying to throw them back into the game and there was no need for that. TCL Broadcast Studios take a break, come back. The professor John Clayton uh joins us next. He previews a Seahawks and talks National Football League. The show is Mackie and Judd. Mackie joins the show at four o'clock, and then don't forget the twin CBO Derek Falvey from four fifteen to about four forty five. 
Mackie and Judd resume things following these messages. That's just about the most fantastic scheme I've heard to date. On 1500 ESPN. Mackie and Judd are back. Please, continue. On 1500 ESPN. Do you approve, John Clayton? I'm mad. About to get back. All right, little James Brown for John Clayton there. How you doing, sir? I'm doing great. Now you always get me in with the right music. That's for sure. Yeah, I know. No, it's good stuff. Uh, hey, before we talk about uh, Vikings, Seahawks, and football, let's talk about the super exciting news: the National Hockey League is coming to Seattle. Isn't that awesome? Yes, it is. I mean, what's great is that, uh, you know, and I moved out here in 1986, and, you know, I go back uh, following hockey when before the Penguins, and they were actually the Hornets in the American Hockey League, and so I used to go to games and watching American Hockey League stuff, and so you get out here, and it was a good and bad. The Penguins, after years of just being average to below average, were starting to get good with Mario Lemieux, yes. and so I move out here, and the good and bad is no hockey, but at least I got Hockey Night in Canada, which I didn't get in Pittsburgh. Huh? So okay. that was that was good. So it kind of uh, you know it was okay for a while, but then you know being away from hockey now for uh, 32 years hasn't been easy. The great thing is is that now in 2021 they'll be the 32nd team. It's going to be a good team because they're going to be using the same type of expansion draft that they use for Vegas, yes. and they've got good people running it. So uh, all looks good here in Seattle, except for the baseball team. Yeah, that's a, what's going on there. Uh, they're they're now the I guess you want to call them the 11th team that's doing a teardown, you know, doing a tanking. And so they've made five trades. They've traded away their ace pitcher, James Paxton, their best two bullpen guys, and Alex Colomay and set up and Edwin Diaz. You know, they got rid of Robinson Cano's contract. They're just they're doing a big dump right now. It's weird, though, because they weren't awful. I mean, they weren't great, and I, I think they, they got off to a good start, and then John disappointed, but mm-hmm. it's not like they were a dumpster fire, and now they've just, as you just said, they've completely dumped. Oh, yeah, they're 89 games right now. They won 89 games. Now, a lot of it was because they had, and again, a lot of it's because of the American League. I mean, the American League only had seven teams that were any good, yeah. and Tampa Bay being the you know, sixth and Seattle being the seventh. And then, of course, out of nowhere, the A's came up and you know, got hot with their young talent. And so you, you look and you say, okay, so can you just kind of manage it for one year? So right at this stage, they decided, no, we've got to take the step back because they're not catching the Astros, they're not catching the Red Sox. Or, you know, at the very best, they were thinking they were playing for the number five seed. But to do what they're doing now means two decades without playoffs. And that now is the longest streak in sports. You know, last year, Buffalo got off the streak by going to the playoffs. The Mariners are not, and they're hoping they can get things right by 2-20-2-21. I don't know if they can do it. Are fans ticked off? Uh, I think they should be. Definitely, yeah. I mean, 89 wins is 89 wins. I know, again, right. you know, and what I look at, I mean, because uh, you know, with so many teams in the rebuilding mode like that, there's less chance of you hitting on the talent that you got for Houston good and for uh, – you know, Houston and also Chicago, the Cubs. 
It's like now it's going to be harder to do it. It's harder to get pitching. And so this is this is a dumpster fire right now. So what ha- happened uh, in, in my preseason prognostications, which ordinarily are wrong, mm-hmm. uh, I thought the Seahawks would be, I thought they'd be bad. And then I thought to myself, okay, Russell Wilson can win you a few games, but they're still not going to be a v- very good team. That defense obviously got torn apart. Why has this team, unlike lots of teams, seemingly been able to turn a corner within a season? Well, because I, mean, I, I, I actually got this right, because I know when I saw you back in the preseason that I thought this was going to be a nine-win team, and yeah. nobody believed me, uh, that could win ten with a break. Well, of course, their break was the Carolina game a couple weeks ago, and so that can now get them to ten if they can get to the win over Minnesota, because uh, they have an easy game coming up against San Francisco, another one against Arizona. Of course, it's still the big if with the Minnesota Vikings. But you know what I looked at, and I went back to 2008, because what I saw is, okay, how many teams that had a top-seven quarterback uh, – uh, had losing seasons, and so uh, I, and I saw the way it went. I mean, you had uh, two seasons with Atlanta where Matt Ryan went four twelve six ten, but he had no running game and a defense that gave up twenty seven points a game. He had three years with Drew Brees going seven and nine. Well, that defense gave up between twenty seven and twenty nine points a game. Then you had a weird season with Cam Newton that uh, you go fifteen and one and they go six and ten. Fifteen and one Super Bowl, six and ten the next year, but the defense gave up more than twenty five points. So what I did, I used as an evaluating tool. I thought this defense would give up less than 23 points. Right now it's giving up 21. I knew they would be able to run the ball with Mike Solari being on the offensive line and the running backs that they had. And, of course, when you have a top-seven quarterback like Russell Wilson, he can get you those wins in the fourth quarter. So it kind of went the way that I thought it was. And so uh, where everybody kind of went for the idea, they went from eight Pro Bowl players on defense to basically one with, uh, uh, with K.J. Wright being hurt. They basically are you know, younger not better, but still salvageable on defense, good enough with the running game because they have the best running game in football at this stage. And, uh, you know, they were, they were able to win some good games. John, how do they feel overall about the defense? The Legion of Boom is is basically no more with Sherman being gone and Earl Thomas has probably played, played his last game there. But Cam Chancellor's still there and K.J. Wright is still there. How are they feeling about the defense overall? Are they going to try and sort of retool this thing over the next couple of years? Well, they, they, yeah, and they, they've started that already. Because one thing that Pete Carroll is able to do is take young cornerbacks and get the most of them. You know, Shaquille Griffin is in his second year. They really made a major hit on him. He's, you know, he's struggling a little bit now. But also, Trey Flowers was really a fifth-round pick, and you know, they, it looks like they hit on him, too. Now, he was a safety in college, but for the last two years in college, he was still the best coverage safety on their team, and he spent two years studying the footwork of Richard Sherman. So he's come in and been pretty natural, so they got long, angular cornerbacks. All right, so now uh, the surprise was Bradley McDougal, because even though he'll never go to the Pro Bowl, he's playing at a Pro Bowl level. He's better in coverage than Cam Chancellor. He's still a good hitter. Then they lose Earl Thomas, but Tedrick Thompson is not a bad free safety, good range. So their secondary, along with Justin Coleman in the slot, not bad. Uh, linebacking core, hey, you got Bobby Wagner. They didn't have K.J. Wright because of injuries, but Barkevius Mingo has showed some good things. And you know, a young guy like Austin Calitro, along with uh, Eddie Kendrick's brother Michael, they've been able to make the linebacker position all right. Jaron Reed has come on the defensive line and has had a monster season. And Frank Clark's now playing at the Neil Hunter Pro Bowl level. And so uh, you know, they're not bad on defense. Now, again, they just went through a stretch statistically that knocked them down because they, for the early part of the season, were sitting like number seven and nine in yards allowed and under 20 points a game. But they went through a stretch against Matt Stafford, uh, Jared Goff, Aaron Rodgers, 
uh, Cam Newton. It's not too and, bad, John. What's that? that I, I said that, that's not too bad a list of quarterbacks you're going through right there. Oh, five quarterbacks that uh, were going to put up big numbers. So they've dropped down to 19. Yeah. And, of course, they had a game against uh, with Nick Mullins of San Francisco where he got a lot of garbage yards and some missed tackles, but they won by 27 points. It's a good football team. I mean, right now, uh, you, know, you can see the way the landscape's going. It's a three-way battle for the playoffs. Uh, depending on what happens with Dallas, because I still think Dallas wins their division uh, for the two spots. Right now, Seattle's sitting at five. Philly may step up, and we'll see where the Vikings are. But uh, Carolina's dropping down so fast that it's pretty much a three-way battle, I think, between Philly, the Vikings, and the Seahawks for two spots. O-line there, John, for a a long time was a mess. Uh, Clearly, it's improved. What was done there, as as someone talking to you from a town where the O-line is not in great shape, what was done there to finally uh, right things? They hired the number two candidate for assistant coach of the year. Uh, they hired Mike Solari on the offensive line. Solari has such a great background. He had been here before in Seattle, and uh, he's been in San Francisco. Everywhere he goes, he's one of the best offensive line coaches in the league. And what happened is Tom Cable got a little too cute with the offensive line, taking defensive linemen and turning them into offensive linemen, taking former wrestlers and trying to be more athletic, doing nothing but outside zone runs, and it just got stale. And for two years, they were awful. Mm-hmm. Couldn't pass block, couldn't run block, couldn't do anything. Russell Wilson's running around. So Solari's come in and put in a big physical offensive line. And so with the additions of D.J. Fluker, who's going to be out this week, and J.R. Sweezy, both at the guard positions, they're nasty. I mean, you know, they, they gained 237 yards on the, charge, on the uh, Rams rushing the football, and their goal modestly is to get 150 yards a game. And so really, I mean, they've been averaging like 160-plus in the last 10 games, but they're physical, they're well-schemed, it gives a little bit of a better pocket for Russell Wilson. And so, you know, they've now had two games that they've won, one against Detroit where Russell was 14 of 17, and then last week's game where, you know, he, he just hardly, what did he throw, 18 passes, and he had four touchdowns. I mean, it's been remarkable to see that change because they, they've gone from the worst running team to now the best. John, Pete Carroll is 67 years old, and he's been there for a while, and obviously he's had some great success. How are they feeling about him there, and how long does he want to keep doing this? Well, I mean, he keeps on bringing up Marv Levy's name a lot. Uh, so uh, Marv, I think, coached to, what, 72, 73. So yeah. I think he's still good for one more contract. And I think the way that he's building this thing right now, because say what you want, I thought this would be a wild-card playoff team that could win 9 or 10, but they're not a Super Bowl team. I mean, they have a chance maybe to go to Chicago or Dallas, win a game there. Uh, if it was going to be Philadelphia or Minnesota, they might not win a game there. But you know, I still think they can make the playoffs and win one game, and that'll be about it. Be you know, one win and then done. But uh, you know, he's setting this thing up right now to take another Super Bowl run. They've got to get another pass rusher on the other side of Frank Clark. You know, they've got to get uh, you know another maybe another wide receiver because uh, Doug Baldwin's been fighting a lot of injuries this year. Tyler Lockett's come down. But, uh, no, I mean, he's, he's got this thing set up. He's clearly, I think, had his best coaching job this year because what was supposed to be a two-year turnaround has turned into a one-year turnaround. And if they do make the playoffs, uh, you know, you would think they'll even get better next season. Rams' best team? Yes, I think so. Well, Rams and the Saints. Uh, yeah. So, Rams Saints with the, with the Chiefs being third. So the Rams, in in your mind, is there a weakness there that, that can be exploited uh, come playoffs or no? 
Well, the weakness has been fixed a little bit because there was a weakness at the cornerback position, but now Akeem Tlaib's back and should have a full game coming up this week. Uh, but there was some vulnerability there. And then for some reason, I don't know, whatever it is with Ndamukong Sue, as good as he is and as talented as he is, you can still run on teams that Ndamukong Sue has. I mean, again, this, I mean, DJ Fluker in the first Ram game pancaked uh, Ndamukong Sue at the, on, a, on a goal line play for a touchdown. And uh, you can see that the line got under the skin of Sue and some of the defensive linemen of the. Uh, so there's defensively, there's some weaknesses. Uh, you know, they can't have an injury on the offensive line because that would be, you know, really, they don't have depth behind them like most right. teams. But right. uh, they're, they're really good. Kirk Cousins, does he meet your expectations with his play in 2018 or fall below what your expectations little, were? I guess I don't know because I had even higher expectations. I mean, how, how, what's, what's the feeling there? Because you know, I expected a little bit more, but still it's, you know, it's still not bad. The numbers are still pretty good. He's yeah. going to have two 100-yard, 100-catch receivers. But I don't know. What's the perception in Minnesota? John, I, I, think, John I think the, the reality of Kirk is this. What we heard from people associated in Washington was basically dead-on accurate. He He's a pretty good quarterback. He, at times, in garbage time, can pad his stats. He's certainly not a bad player. But is he ultimately worth the contract? That's hard to say. No, and I guess he has to prove that by uh, getting into the playoffs and doing some things. But, uh, you know, it's it's interesting because, I mean, you see the things of the three teams that kind of interchange quarterbacks, you know, from Alex Smith going to Washington to replace Cousins, Cousins coming to Minnesota, and then, of course, uh, Case Keenum in Denver. And they're all kind of at that same 500 level, yep. but you wondered who was going to win it. I still think of the three, Cousins still was the best acquisition, but, uh, you know, still a little bit more is going to be needed. Thank you, sir. Appreciate it. As always, John Clayton. Thank you. All right, take care. John Clayton, who does a fantastic job, the professor, 710 ESPN in Seattle, also a sideline reporter for Seahawks games. Take a break. Come back. Mackie joins the show at 4. Don't forget, Derek Falvey, twin CBO, uh, at about 4.15 on Mackie and Judd, 1500 ESPN. Don't go anywhere. More Mackie and Judd coming up next. Oh, that's just what they'll be expecting us to do. On 1500 ESPN. Mackie and Judd now continue. Well, here we are again. Yeah. On 1500 ESPN. All right, let's check traffic here in the DCL Broadcast Studios. A couple crashes to tell you about. Uh, the first one is on Highway 62 uh, near Richfield. The crash is between Highway 77 and Bloomington Avenue South, and it's causing a 19-minute delay. So if you're headed westbound on 62 near Richfield, uh, prepare for... Just about an extra 20 minutes there. Also, 394 westbound, we got a crash near Golden Valley between Louisiana Avenue and 169, causing a seven-minute delay there. Thank you, Manny Hill. Mackie and Judd. Phil's going to join uh, shortly here. And uh, 415, Derek Falvey, twin CBO, will join us. 5 o'clock football hour starts Matthew Collar. Sage Rosenfels makes his regular Friday appearance at 515. We're going to have a lot to talk about. Sage today. Another great piece for the Athletic, uh, basically dissecting the Vikings' lack of a run game on uh, Sunday against the Patriots, and he did it in a way that really explains why the decision not to uh, try and run the football more is baffling. But we have solved the dilemma of the Vikings holder, gentlemen. <laughs> Our friend Courtney Cronin, among her tweets today, uh, with the assistant coaches talking, including special teams coordinator Mike Prefer, Vikings punter Matt Weil who has holding duties, of course, on field goal and PATs, ran out late onto the field on Dan Bailey's 48-yard miss in New England in the first quarter because, not because he was in the bathroom, 
Not because he was being completely delinquent towards his job, but he sort of was. He thought it was third down. So yeah, it's very important for Matt Wilde to know the down. I don't mean to make light of this, but he's the punter. So when it comes to third and fourth down, it's a big, big deal because mm-hmm. you're either going to be, unless you score you know, a touchdown in the course of the drive, if it's third or fourth down, there's a lot of times that you're going to be, if you're Matt Wilde, you're going to be um, punting. Or if Dan Bailey trots out there, you trot out with him and you hold. Mm -hmm. Now, Jonathan Harrison also saw another tweet. What did that inform us, Jonathan? That uh, Mike Prefer in his press conference today revealed that punter Matt Weil has never really been a holder on field goals until this season. Uh, So they must have loved this kid, right? I think he was with Pittsburgh in training camp and got cut. But Ryan Mm -hmm. Quigley, correct me if I'm wrong here, was Ryan Quigley really that bad? I know he didn't have a great training camp, but he had a really fairly productive 2017, right? Yeah. The punter, he, he was fine, right? He didn't have a touchback all season. Yeah, so he was more which than... is the first time that's, I think, <laughs> ever happened. Okay. So just to be clear, just so I'm clear here, he is a veteran who might not have had a great preseason and or training camp, but he's mm-hmm. a punter, so he can get himself righted. He, he can get things right. He can get things fine. And as you just said, Jonathan Harrison, he had really what amounts to an outstanding 2017. So they must have loved this kid, this wild kid, to pick yeah. him up because the, yeah. the, the holding component's not unimportant here. Oh, it's very important. Like you're trying to... If huge. You're, if you're trying to win football games in 2018, you get a lot of... Field goal attempts that become extremely important. You know what I have to say to all of this? What? Ryan Quigley would have known what down it was. Yes. Jeff Locke would have known what down it was. But why are they tempting fate with these things? Can you explain that to me? I don't know. Like, there's no reason. Ryan Quigley no sal- was good last year. But and there's, we, We've been over this a million times. No, he was good last year. But there's year. no... All right. But you sign Cousins, so you're cheaper on the offensive line, which I don't like. But you do it because you're in a salary cap league, right? Mm-hmm. Kicker and punter have no impact whatsoever on that. Like they get paid what they're going they're going to get paid, and they they don't come in. Ryan Quigley didn't come back and try and break the bank. I can't imagine. So, so Manny or Jonathan, either one of you, can you offer me up an explanation as to why why you would decide with a Super Bowl type of team that you're ah oh, this kid will be good enough? And they start off the year with that with Daniel Carlson, mm-hmm. a draft pick yeah. traded up to get Daniel Carlson. I've got no, I've got nothing for you, Jay. I'm, I'm at a no words. I've, yeah, I'm. But I'm right in it's saying dumb. I'm just throwing my hands it's up. It's really now. dumb what know. they did. But I'm right in saying this makes all, no real sense, right? Yeah, you're correct. You're 100. It absolutely right, yes. makes no sense. Because sometimes right, I'm accused of, of being very negative towards the local teams here, and so I'm trying to give them a fair shake. And if either, if someone can tell me what, oh, you're wrong because no, XYZ. you've got agreement on this side of the glass here, and you're not being negative. Doesn't make sense. You're just, you're just inquiring. Facts, man. But the holding of the football is an extremely, like, when you're deciding we're going to cut Quigley and go with Weil, you can't just say, well, he can hold, I think. He'll, he'll be fine. Like, who's telling, who's telling, if you're Mike Zimmer, wouldn't you say, no, I, I want a veteran, I hate kickers. I want a veteran holder, too. Like, I hate kickers. They're the bane of my existence. Quigley held last year, did okay, I think, right? I don't think Quigley did anything wrong other than he had a bad training camp, but he's a punter. I don't care. He's a punter coming off one of the best punting seasons right. in NFL history. Like, if, if your kicker just melts down completely, I sort of get the temptation to be like, I can't, I can't do this. You know how I feel about addressing things that don't need to be addressed, Forbath, which is what Rick Spielman has done. Forbath and Quigley should have just been left alone. Yeah, they were fine. 
They were fine. <laughs> Honest to God. All right, we'll take a break. We're in the TCL broadcast studios. We're baffled. We're confused. But at least it's Friday. Mackie joins next. Don't go anywhere. More Mackie and Judd coming up next. Oakley-dokley. On 1500 ESPN.